so before I dive in, I wanted to, uh, actually, we're doing a series for the next four weeks called Through Their Eyes, uh, looking at the biblical story through a th- few different people's eyes in uh, passages from scripture. I wanted to give a quick uh, sharing on serving uh, as we do this. I think it's on the next slide. Um, I just felt I needed to share on it. You know, at Hope Church, we have well over 100 people um, serving on Sundays, um, serving uh, in the week in different capacities, which is amazing. And as Hope grows, there's gonna be further opportunities and further need for that serving. Um, we know that God's called us to bring hope to our city and to bring hope to the world. And there's no shortage of people in need of experiencing hope in Harare and beyond. Um, And that's possible when we put up our hands to say, yes, Jesus, I'm 100% um, committed, put me to work for your kingdom. And we've got so many like that here. We've got many people serving on multiple teams, even on the same Sunday, because they have such a heart to serve. We have people serving who are going through cancer treatment now, not feeling great, but just saying, oh my goodness, put me to work. I don't care what I have to do, I just wanna serve for your kingdom. And uh, so that's incredible to see. And there's one thing I'd love us as Hope Church people to fight against, and that is the wealthy northern suburbs culture. We all live in it, right? And you know the culture that we live in is that people serve us. In our homes, people serve us, most of us. Out and about in our business, people serve us, most of us. So for us, it's a very different place to be compared to most of the world. Even in other first world places where serving is part of what you do. You have to do your own washing, you have to do your own cleaning, you get stuck in and serve. But for us in the northern suburbs of Harare, where most of us are from, it's a difficult thing for us to do. And I wanna flip it on its head today and challenge us as we think and pray about 2024 is that we have the privilege of serving. If you're here and at the moment you're a bench warmer, I love bench warmers, and please stay at church if you're a bench warmer. But God also wants you on the field. He wants you playing, he wants you involved, he wants you stuck in. So if you're sitting and going, "Um, we don't know if Hope Church is yet for us, that's fine, no problem, keep exploring, keep exploring faith. But if you're going, no, this is home, then I wanna challenge you to be part of his kingdom as we serve. And it doesn't matter what it is, setting up chairs, helping with uh, Hope Kids, uh, serving tea. Um, I had this thought while I was praying about it this morning about sharing it. Now, I want you to imagine, now we all have different people that are our heroes that we look up to. And maybe for some of you it's Sia Khaleesi, maybe for some of you it is Prince, I was gonna say the queen, but I don't know how many people like the king, but anyway, maybe uh, it is um, Prince William, and I said to Sarah, we were chatting over coffee this morning, I was like, I could tell people Prince William and Princess Kate, she's like, no, that's the wrong thing, it's the Duchess of something. The guys who love the royals. Anyway, maybe it's them, maybe it's Elon Musk if you, if you like that, maybe it's um, Taylor Swift, I don't know who it would be. Anyway, maybe I've mentioned people that you don't even know. But imagine you get invited to their home and uh, you get invited to hang out with them and then while you're there, you're there a bit early and they just say, um, you know, Prince William or whoever it is sickly says, hey listen, I've got some guests coming. Would you mind if you just move this chair for me? Um, or just could you stand at the door? I'm sort of setting stuff up. W- would, you, would it be okay if you just greeted anybody who came through the door? I don't think there's many of us in this room who if it was the person that we looked up to in an earthly sense would be like, hey listen, that's a little bit tough for me. So to be honest, um, Prince William or Duchess of 
whoever she is, Kate, um, sorry, could you just choose somebody else because um, it, it's okay. It's great to be in your house, but I'd rather not help. Or see a Khaleesi, you know, he's coming, he's at the World Cup and uh, we're, we're sitting there and um, he's like, hey, listen, could you just help me move this chair? Ish, to be honest, that's quite a hard thing for you to ask me to do. So it's great to be, uh, see, I'm here for the food, but like, listen, can you ask someone else? Now, why do I share this? Because I think I'd do that instantly. It wouldn't be a question in my heart. So I started to think this morning, oh my goodness, the one who created all of these people who leads the global church would say, hey guys, I would love it if you would help serve in my home. I'd love it if you would help be part of like people coming to faith and be people exploring faith. I'd just love it. It would be amazing. Would you be keen? You're like, "Ah, God, it's okay. Um, I'd, I'd love to like have the coffee, but to be honest, anything else I'm not keen on. And I just flipped it on my head about the privilege that we have of serving, of being part of God's body. And so, as I said, we stand in a privileged position where we have many people who serve. Um, but I know there's room for more and as church grows, there's room for more. So if you're sitting contemplating, going, I don't know what to do, I don't know what I could do, come and chat to us. There's so much space, there's so much need, there's so much need as we grow. And I want us to be a church that lives that out particularly as northern suburban people. Because for us, it's a greater battle than other areas of our lives. It's a greater battle because it's just not how we live normally. So for us to do it in a church setting is tough. And so I wanna challenge us in that to ask God to work in your hearts with that. So uh, we're diving in, as I said, to through their eyes. And it's a journey to Christmas through the eyes of those closest to the story. And it's gonna culminate in our Christmas service on the 20th. And some people have said, Craig and Sarah, do you guys just want to go on an early Christmas, which is why you're doing the service on the 20th and don't want to do anything on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Just to let you know, that's not the reason. The reason is the school is doing a shutdown on the 21st, and so we're not allowed to do anything here between the 21st and the 29th, just so you know. We looked at other venues. uh, We couldn't get space when, when we found out that. And so next year, regardless of whether we can be here or not, we'll be somewhere else. Whether it's wild geese or whatever else, we'll do it. But we're gonna let you know other churches doing great things on Christmas Day, but our Christmas service will be on the 20th. It's not because we just wanted to go on holiday. I mean, it's going to be great, obviously, but (laughs) we're not. Okay, so the Christmas story, in particular, the virgin birth, is one of those wonderfully awkward parts of Christian faith that you just can't get around as you explore faith. You can't argue it away. You can't make an excuse for it. It's a non-negotiable part of the faith for Christ followers. You can't have Christ without the Christmas story. It has to be a child created supernaturally, but carried by a woman. This is the only way that we could have a baby that is fully human and fully God at the same time. Without the virgin birth, there is no God-man Jesus entering our world. There is no payment for our sins. There's no opportunity for us to have a relationship with God, and there's no opportunity for that God-man to rise again so that we could have eternal life in heaven. And so the virgin birth is an essential aspect of what we believe as Christ followers. It's a wonderful miracle, but it's not one that we should find hard to believe if we also believe that God could create the world with the power of his word, if we believe that he could die and be raised to life again. The virgin birth is not otherworldly in terms of belief sets of miracles when it comes to the Christian faith. It's only right that the gospel of Jesus Christ is supernatural. We can't intellectualize the good news of Jesus in order for it to be completely explained in human terms. 
although I would say I believe there's stronger factual evidence for the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ than any other faith you might put your belief in. Any other faith, whether you call it science, whether you call it something else, I think there's actually greater proof for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There will always be a heartfelt believing that yes, this happened and it's possible with God. And the Holy Spirit has to do that work in our hearts. If you're here today and you're exploring faith, the moment that you know that God's calling you and drawing you into a relationship with him is you'll start to sense and go, actually, that makes sense to me. There's a faith step to be made, but, but I can believe that. I can trust in that. I know that something's happening in my heart. You'll be able to make that step towards Christ. If you're not there yet, that's okay. Keep exploring. If you've been invited by uh, friends here today, we're so excited about our baptism service. We did one a month ago, and we were like, oh, you know, we had seven or eight people. We said, oh, should we really do another one? We had another six or seven people come forward. We're gonna, we're gonna do one, I think, every month next year because God keeps drawing people to get baptized, which is what he asks us to do. And so if you're here visiting, exploring faith, that's okay. Keep exploring. Be open to the sense that God is drawing you to himself. And so to help us over the next few weeks, we're gonna look at passages in scripture from the book of Matthew and the book of Luke, letters I should say. Matthew was a tax collector. The tax collectors were known for extorting the public. It doesn't happen in this country, it happens in others, but uh, that is what the tax collectors were like in that day and age. They extorted their own people, the Jewish people, uh, and in order to support a different government, the Roman government of the time. And he had a radical transformation. He was living large, making loads of cash, and Jesus approached him at the booth and said, hey, follow me, I've got a different life for you to lead. And he just knew in his heart, he felt that, he sensed God, and he followed. And maybe God will do the same for you today. But uh, he encountered Jesus, and Luke was a widely traveled physician. He was a trusted companion of many of the, the writers of the New Testament, particularly Paul. Paul called him the beloved physician. He was with Paul in Paul's times of, uh, in prison, and he supported him. Both cared deeply about facts, about truth, about faithfully sharing the story of Jesus, and you see this in the detail that they use as we turn to it. So we're going to dive into the story. If you have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to Matthew 1. We're going to be from verse 18. If not, it's going to be there. If you don't have a Bible, we've got great ones at the back. If you can't afford one, we'll give you one. But uh, definitely get a Bible if you have one of those. Uh, our youth that we've been leading, Hope Youth, we, we did a relaunch of it in September. It's been amazing, 40 to 50 teens coming. Uh, we've got a group of about 12 to 14, grade seven's going to form one uh, from Hope Youth and from other churches that we believe will be added. But a number of those teens there, they don't have a Bible in their home. Uh, they're from St. John's, from Hellenic. They don't own a Bible, they don't have one. So we've purchased a bunch. Guys are gonna be able to use them on Fridays. Uh, we'll do the same for you here today as well. So it's gonna be on the screen. We're gonna read it together. This is what it says. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, before they had sex, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now a betrothal, although they weren't married yet, this was a legally binding contract. It was as good as if you were married. But you still had to wait for your official marriage ce celebration to take place, but it was as good as that was to happen. It was more than just an engagement in our day and age. It was a legally recognized process, and to, to break off a betrothal was a divorce. That's how the same it was viewed as marriage. It was a divorce. And if anyone were to have sex during this time, it was considered adultery, carrying a punishment of death by stoning in Jewish culture. 
That's the level that we're looking at, that if somebody was, was to be found to have had sex, to be found to be pregnant in that time, it was death by stoning in Jewish culture. And so during this time, before Joseph and Mary were married, an angel appears to Mary and shares the news that she's pregnant. We're gonna look at that story next week, so stay tuned for that. Fasten your seatbelts. But today, we keep ourselves focused on Joseph. And so verse 19, it carries on. It says, her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. I want us to picture, let's get into the world of Mary and Joseph for a bit. I want us to picture the conversation that went down between Mary and Joseph when she shared the news with Joseph that she was pregnant. I mean, maybe it went like this, we don't know. Mary talking, Joseph, I really need to speak to you, but I think you need to sit down to hear me out. <laughs> because the news I'm gonna share is gonna come as quite a surprise. In fact, you might not even think it's possible, but please hear me out, please trust me, I love you, I wanna marry you, I'm committed to you, Joseph, please can you hear me out of the story. So Joseph, like Mary, what's wrong? It can't be that bad, surely it can't be that bad, please tell me what's happening. And so Mary says, well, I'm pregnant. And Joseph in shock interrupts her, and he's like, what, with who? Mary, how could you do this to me? And Mary says, no, no, Joseph, wait. That's why I said, wait, hear me out. Let me tell you the story. I promise it's not what you think. I haven't had sex with anyone. I'm telling you the truth. And Joseph says, you gotta be kidding me, right? I mean, Mary, let's be serious. We know how this happens. So you've gotta be kidding me is this some sort of a joke that you're playing on me in our run-up to our wedding? Mary says, I promise I'm pregnant, and the child within me is God's chosen son. The Holy Spirit made it happen. He has a supernatural father, Joseph. An angel appeared to me and told me that we should call him Jesus. Mary, are you serious? You don't actually expect me to believe that at all. Of all the excuses I've heard from friends in the past, that one tops the chart. I have never heard anyone tell me that God is the father of their child, not a human man. That's a new one, Mary. In fact, probably the first time anybody's shared it in history. And Mary in tears, I mean, you can imagine this, in tears, she's like, Joseph, I promise I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth, this is how it happened. Don't you know me well enough? Don't you know the kind of person that I am? And Joseph says, I thought I did, but I'm so sorry, I actually can't believe you. I think we need to end this, but I can't think about it right now, I need some space, and either he tells her to leave or he leaves. I don't know exactly how it went down, but I think something quite similar, because otherwise, why was he deciding to divorce her? It's because he didn't believe the story. And that's how we know how some of the chat went. The story's just too wild for him to comprehend. I mean, a child from God, seriously, Mary, this sounds like BC Marvel Studios to me. You know, the only positive at the moment from Joseph's perspective is that it says there, he didn't wanna put her to public shame. This means that he wouldn't have shared the reason for the divorce with the whole world. He would have said, listen, I'm gonna divorce her, but he wouldn't explain it, so i.e. saved her from death by stoning. He would have given another reason for it, told some sort of story. And so he does have some level of a heart. He doesn't feel that Mary should die for this adultery he believes she's committed. 
So he makes a decision, I'm going to keep this divorce on the down low, the reason for it. I wonder if any of you here today have had a shocking situation thrown into your life this past week, this past month, maybe in the year or in the years past. A circumstance like Joseph felt that sent you into a rapid downward spiral, one that put you into panic mode where the world suddenly stopped spinning. If that's you, Joseph knows how you feel. He was in that place. He was in it just going, I cannot comprehend. I cannot believe what I'm going through right now. I feel betrayed. I never saw this coming. Verse 20, it says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You know, thankfully, Joseph takes a little bit of time before he acts on his emotions. His immediate thought in the situation was, I need to divorce Mary. But you notice that phrase there, but as he considered these things, as he considered them, he didn't act right away. He assessed the situation. He waited. He let his emotions settle so that he could think clearly. And it was in this moment of considering that the angel appears to him. And it says in a dream, so it may well have been a few days. We're not sure the time that he took to consider. But friends, can I say that when you're hit with a curveball, when you're hit with an unexpected circumstance, a frightening or terrible situation, don't react or act on emotion immediately. It's easy for all of us to do that, but we need to do what Joseph did. We need to consider our thoughts. We need to allow our emotions to settle and to allow God to speak. And so if you're in crisis mode right now, this moment, or maybe I have no doubt that you're going to meet a crisis mode at some point in your life, here's a possible process you could follow. There's other ones, but here's a possible one I thought. Firstly, don't make a decision right away. Do not make a decision in your crisis right away. You have to allow your emotions to settle to be able to think and process clearly. And so if you need to take a time out, do it. If you need to get away from the situation, do it. But don't act rashly. You might make a decision that's not in line with God's heart for your life. Secondly, in that process, get alone with God. Instead of acting out of emotion, we need to make decisions after prayerful consideration. And it was only in this time of considering that the angel was able to step in and speak to Joseph and share the news with, with clarity. It's in our waiting before God that we can hear his voice. The question is, do we wait enough to hear him speak in our wild circumstances? Do we wait enough? Do we slow down in the busyness of our lives, in the social media, WhatsApp, ravaged uh, world in which we live? Do we wait enough to hear his voice? So get alone with him, number two. Number three, open up his word. Open up the truth. He speaks truth and life from his word. Ask him to give you wisdom for the decision you need to make from his word. You see, here's the Prince of Peace. And so you and I need to wait until we have a sense of peace as to how we should act and how we should act according to God, not according to our emotions. The sense of what is the right thing to do, not necessarily what is the easy thing to do. This is what I feel God's saying. We need to get to that place. And on the back of that, number four, seek wisdom and advice from trusted mentors. Don't ask for advice from people who you know will give you the answer you want to hear. Do you know how good we are at that? 
We are brilliant. When we want to make a decision, and we've kind of already decided, we don't really want to listen to what God has to say because we have an inkling he might tell us to do something that we don't really want to go down that road. And so we sit before God, but we've kind of decided we're not going to hear if there's any other options. And then what we do is we go and ask people who we know will tell us exactly what we want to hear. Those are not trusted mentors. A trusted mentor is somebody who will look at the situation and will tell you the truth about it, whether it hurts your feelings or not, and they will tell it in line with God's word. That's a trusted mentor. And if you don't have one, get one. But don't think that a mentor is somebody who tells you exactly what you wanna hear and just agrees with you or is, has the same bent towards not listening to Jesus. We need to get mentors who will tell us the truth honesty and clarity, people who truly love us and truly love God. And number five, on the back of that, now you're in the place to make a decision, a faith-filled decision. Can I tell you that if you and I train ourselves to start to act in this way when we have a crisis and we have time to make a decision, do you know that it becomes so inbuilt in our lives that when there's a crisis and we don't have the luxury of time, we will act automatically out of what we've trained ourselves. But if we don't train ourselves to act and operate the right way, when a crisis comes and we don't have time to think, we won't act in line with God. And so we need to train ourselves in this. Okay, verse 21. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. God will bring about his purpose in this world. He had chosen Mary and Joseph for the task in spite of their frailty, in spite of Joseph's question, they were the ones he had chosen and God brought to completion what he started with Jesus. He will do the same in your life and mine. Philippians 1 verse 6, Paul's writing a letter to the Philippian church. He says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You and I can have such confidence as Christ followers that no matter what curveballs come our way, God will get done what he wants to get done in your life and mine as we open ourselves up to him. You can rest in that with such confidence. He did it with Jesus. He will do it with us. It says that you'll call his name Jesus. Jesus means Yahweh saves or God saves. And that's why Jesus came. It's why the angel said to save his people from their sins. Friends, as we head towards Christ and in all of life, I never want us to forget the purpose of Jesus coming. It's so easy for us to go, oh, I've, we've heard that before. He died for our sins, he rose again. I know that. I wanna get down to the meat. No, the meat is that he died for our sins. That is the thing that we should focus on and think about every day of our lives. It is the thing that we should celebrate every day of our lives. There's an amazing overflow of blessing that he gives, and he does that. He provides for us, he heals, he does the miraculous. But that's the overflow of why he came. He came to right the relationship that we had destroyed. Never let his reason for coming be clouded. We wanna celebrate and thank regularly him for the wonder of paying the price for our sin. He would not have come on a joy ride to earth if it was not for our sin. It wasn't a joy ride, it was the most difficult thing that he had to do. And he didn't do it just because he loved us. He did it because he had to do it. It was the demonstration of his love, but he didn't die because he enjoyed it. He died because he needed to, for us to have an opportunity for relationship. And so if you're exploring faith today, that's why Jesus came not to be our crutch, not to help out these poor, weak members of Hope Church who just are struggling and need the help of someone else. No, he came because we all need him to pay the price for our sin so that we can have a relationship 
with Christ. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew's quoting here from Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. Prophets were people who spoke out what God said to them, and for them to be prophets, those things needed to come to pass. Otherwise, they were just people making up great stories. We've got many people who call themselves prophets in our world. A prophet is, it comes to pass from God's word. And so these people spoke hundreds of years before the coming of Christ. And some of you here today, maybe some watching online, some listening, you might say, well, I think it was just random coincidence that a prophet 400 years odd before Jesus came would say that a virgin was going to conceive. He could have just written it. It was just coincidence, random events that happened. You could say that. In fact, you know, the people have worked out the probability of Jesus fulfilling just eight of the prophecies that were spoken about him. We'll do a series on this maybe next year. But there are multiple prophecies, prophetic words spoken about Jesus hundreds of years before he was born that came to pass. How he would die, being crucified before crucifixion was even invented. How he would be betrayed, where he would be born. The list goes on. If we look at just eight of those, in his book, Science Speaks, Peter Stoner says, the probability that Jesus of Nazareth could have fulfilled just eight of the prophecies spoken of him is one in 10 to the 17. So one in 10 to the 17 zeros. This is how we'll give a bit of a picture to that number. He says that if you had that many silver dollars, be enough to cover the face of the entire state of Texas two feet deep. And he says, now I've been to Texas. I've driven for days to get across Texas. It's a big state. Who in their right mind would, would suppose that a blindfolded man heading out of Dallas by foot in any direction would be able on his very first attempt to pick up one specifically marked silver dollar out of one times 10 to the 17? That's the probability of Jesus just fulfilling 10 of the multiple prophecies said about him. Random, I don't think so. When it comes to believing in the work of Christ on earth, one of the Senate chaplains, Richard Halverson, he wrote, the fact is the birth, crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus Christ are celebrated worldwide by folk of every race, language, and color every year. And believing in Jesus, they've been delivered from the most evil, disastrous, frustrating, debilitating habits and life forms possible. And we've celebrated much of God doing that at Hope Church in the last year. The real problem with Jesus Christ is not that folks can't believe in him, but that they won't believe in him. That's the truth. Jesus has given all the evidence and all the impact that there is. And if we don't believe, it's not because we can't, it's because we choose not to. I love that phrase there that the angel, um, or that the writing says there, sorry, where it says, Emmanuel, God with us. You know, in the Garden of Eden, it says that God walked in the garden. So he walked and talked with Adam and Eve before the fall, before they sinned face to face. They spoke to each other. And then sin entered the world. And if we fast track a little bit, there was a man called Moses. And God said of Moses that he spoke with him face to face. But he didn't actually speak face to face and that Moses could see him because there's actually another passage where Moses said, show me your glory, show me who you are. And God says, I'm gonna put you in this cleft in this rock, this hiding, and you can see my back. 
as I walk past you. So you can see me walking, and as I walk past you, you can see my back. But if you see my face, you will die because of the sin in our hearts. Actually, since the Garden of Eden, God walked and, and talked, but people weren't able to see him face to face. You know, when Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us, people had the opportunity again to see God face to face. As if in the Garden of Eden, he walked amongst us face to face and we could speak to him. Absolutely incredible to think about that. He was allowing people once again to talk with him. And you and I, as a result of Jesus dying and rising again, we get to talk with God. We have an open relationship with the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a most wonderful privilege. We'll close out, then we'll pray. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew or not he didn't have sex until she had given birth to a son. He called his name Jesus. When Joseph heard the angel speak, he obeyed. Friends, when God gives you clarity on a situation, when he gives you clarity on what you should do, on how you should respond, don't wait, just act. Act in obedience. Don't overprocess. Don't let yours and my sinful nature take over and give us all the excuses and all the reasons why we shouldn't do what we know God's asking us to do. Don't find every possible way to do the opposite. Just do what he says. It will always be the best decision. No matter how upside down it feels, no matter how difficult it might feel on the front end, obedience is key for us to walk in the purpose God's called us to. And this wasn't an easy decision for Joseph because who would have believed him? He didn't even believe Mary. So who out of friends and family would have believed it when Joseph told that same story? No, it's okay. We're going to get married. She's pregnant, guys. It wasn't me. It wasn't anybody else. It's from God. You're right. They would have been mocking. They would have been gossiping. It would have been very difficult to navigate that journey. But following God's way, even if it doesn't make sense, is always the right decision. And he got to be a dad, a surrogate father to the king. He wouldn't have traded that for the world, but he had to walk through the process. And so as we close, what circumstance are you facing right now? Do you need to get alone with God? What decision do you need to make? Big decision that God's calling you to, but you're fighting him in the process. It's time for us to learn from the life of Joseph, to wait, to consider, to allow God to speak.